Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hello, hello, hello. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. Sin of Our Fathers podcast is brought to you by the new Barbasol Shave Club featuring the premium Ultra 6 Plus Razor, Barbasol. It's the brand trusted by men for nearly 100 years to deliver a close and comfortable shave. So we got a chance earlier, um, actually directly after the Browns game on Sunday, we called our grandfather. Um, our, uh, our grand- I forgot how painful it is, <laughs> like right after the freaking game. It was so bad. We were just sitting there in disbelief, and Mike was like, we should call Grandpa. And me and Matthew both didn't budge at all. At least he lives I, here I, now, and he I has used to, to be have a to, part of it. Yeah, I used to text you guys, and you guys would be so angry You're at such me. such an asshole about last it. Year. I was not an asshole about it. I was being consistent because the listeners like Grandpa way the heck more than they like us. And so it needed to be said, and you wouldn't have done it on your own unless I urged you. And so I had to be the dick that actually like said, get up off of your whiny butts and call your grandfather do you know how miserable it is like because i was around like week 11 i I was just like no so dumb (laughs) we've (laughs) lost 11 straight games i'm not calling grandpa right now i am miserable it's so hard to do um but grandpa is the reason why we're a browns fan in the first place and he passed that on to our dad and he made us browns fans that's why our podcast is named sin of our fathers so right after the game we got a chance to call him and uh he always has some flowery things to say so here's that Hello. Hey, Grandpa, it's Matthew. How are you? <laughs> Not too good. <laughs> I feel you. I, I, I think we need a kicker. Oh, that, Nothing truer has ever been said. How, how many more hours do you think he has as a Cleveland Brown? That, huh? How many more hours do you think he has as a Cleveland Brown? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Gonzalez? Yeah. I think he's probably, they probably won't even let him on the bus going home. <laughs> that's, that's too bad. I, uh, yeah, this guy was sacred, and uh, I mean, you, you can't, he lost the game for him. They, hell, if, if, he'd have, if, he'd have won, if he'd have kicked the first field goal and an extra point, they'd have been in good shape, but he missed, he missed the back for that. Hell, I, uh, you, you, can't, you can't depend on the guy. He's, he's bad news. They got to. They got to find a kicker. I. I says if they put a, if he puts on a Browns uniform next week, they got to fire the coaching staff. Well, or the it'd really be on the GM probably more than anything. It's bad. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's a shame because I, the defense played a really really good game against a Saints. A good game. They, yeah. Yeah. They. They. They had. They had the. the uh. The uh, Saints on the, on the ropes for most of the game. They played a damn good game. And even even after uh, Taylor throws that that last that fourth down pass and, and tied the game up, you know I said, God, that's you, you gotta you gotta kick a field goal, you know, extra point from there for God's sakes. Uh, I'm just I'm just devastated. They had they had another another game that they lost in the last couple seconds, you know. I mean, the Browns yeah. could so easily be two and zero right now with. Like it's so so easily. Instead, we don't have a W to our name. Well, they 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 just couldn't stop this Kamara. Boy, that guy was something else. He's really good, but that wasn't even like yeah, that good of a game for him. Honestly, running back, he, he he was awesome. He was 
They must have had grease on them. They could never they could never tackle them. <laughs> he was a hell of a back. hell of a running back. Yeah, we did pretty well, good against him. What do you think about Tyler? Yeah, I think the Browns played a hell of a good game, and it's too bad that for the lack of a halfway decent kicker, they lost the game. That's fair. you know. Just, I, I think this guy had a he had a walk home. I don't think they'd let him on the bus. <laughs> what do you think about Tyrod Taylor, Grandpa? Well, he's not not too bad, but he he does throw a couple of stupid. It does uh, it does call a couple of stupid plays and throws a, uh, in a uh, inappropriate interception when 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 they can't afford one. Honestly, uh, that I, interception hurt us just as much as the missed field yeah, goals. That, that yep. was a, that was a killer. That was a killer. It was uh, just as bad. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, if they don't win in four games, I think we're going to we're going to see uh, 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 what's his uh, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the game. Plus, we need we can put him in there and get a kicker too. Right, sounds good to me. What, I don't know what they're going to do about a kicker. Somebody ought to be able to kick straight. Yeah, the cow. The guy I would love for us to sign in is the Cowboys kicker. They dropped Dan Bailey, who is, has been a fantastic kicker, and is not that old. He's like early 30s, I think. Uh, but then we also had that guy that was in camp that was neck and neck with Gonzalez, what they said for most of the time. So they might well, just go that route since they're more familiar with I him. Don't, I don't think there's any neck and neck anymore. This guy, they, they, they like, twist his neck. It's <laughs> 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 uh, too bad. All right, well, Nancy, Nancy's really pissed at me because I got so excited about the game. So, so she's not talking to me anymore. So. <laughs> All right, well, you better go smooth that over. Hope the rest of your day works out better than this Browns game did. All right, well, okay, guys, as always, next week. Yeah, hey, thanks for giving us this curse, grandfather. You did this to us. <laughs> Okay, guys, I'll yeah. talk to you after the next game. <laughs> All right. All right, see you, Bye, Grandpa. Bye. <laughs> so, for whatever reason, this week and last week, Grandpa cannot remember Baker Mayfield's name for the life of him. I'd, <laughs> I'd be worried he's getting old and losing it, but he remembers everybody else. Yeah, uh, no, he I don't know. He's definitely not so great on the Browns players' names anymore. He's keeping up, and he's remembering, like, all of the other elements, like what he's reading and all that. So he just can't place the names. That's okay. We're going to keep calling Grandpa throughout the season of this podcast, and you're going to see like a clear degeneration. <laughs> he's hey, not going to be able to. Some of our followers on Twitter gave Grandpa credit when it was definitely due after this whole Josh Gordon news, which we'll probably talk about later on the podcast. But Josh, Grandpa, <laughs> Grandpa was the one Browns week. fan that was completely taking a crap on Josh Gordon and his right to be on our team. And he uh, he said he wasn't long for our team, and he was definitely right. Shortly after, we'd all drank the Kool-Aid. Grandpa, Kool-Aid immune. We should have oh, asked him for man. his next prediction. <laughs> yeah, we No should've. kidding. Yeah, we got to get right. another one on or the was, record. Well, didn't he predict that Baker Mayfield needs to... Needs to play. Did I'm not, say that? I'm not sure. That was a whole day ago. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But um, anyway, it sounds like we're super happy. It really does. We're having a good time hanging out. But I'm actually dead inside. Fun fact. That was a particularly awful game. Uh, I mean, all Browns games when we lose are difficult. Um, it's when we find new ways to lose that become 
particularly difficult. We're 2-0 no against the spread. Yeah, and I picked the Browns both times, which I'm there very pleased about. So they're coming through on that end. It it is good to stay competitive, but when like you could easily be two and O oh, and have won both of these games, it's really frustrating to be O oh, one and one. Especially when you haven't won since Christmas in twenty sixteen. Yeah. I mean there's oh. Oh. it's a, like that Christmas in twenty sixteen. We're almost to twenty nineteen. Oh, yeah. If we make it, I swear I'm not doing the podcast anymore. Okay, so the game. Yeah, the game. We played three really good quarters, like really good quarters. I mean, there's. I don't think there's anyone that would say that Our this, offense wasn't good in the first half. I don't care. Overall, looking at both sides of the field, our, where we stood relative to our opponent through three quarters – we were in great position. There's no way to deny that. It should have been through three quarters, a 16 to three football game. If we had not missed some, an extra point and a field goal. And the saints are one of the top five offenses in the NFL. And I don't think there's anybody that watches football that would dispute that. I mean, ridiculous offense. And we held them to three points through three quarters. That's insane. The defense is playing out of their mind. The defense like deserves it's, zero fault in anything that's gone on in these first two games, in my personal Which opinion. is why it's so particularly infuriating, because how do you keep producing on that level when you play two, honestly, near-perfect games the defense has played? They've played fantastic against two preseason Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, eight in turnovers this, in two yeah, weeks. Eight turnovers were way up on the turnover margin. And like how do you how do you keep doing that? Held both the Saints and the Steelers to twenty one points. It just I mean, it's particularly infuriating. And I don't know what exactly it was that flipped this game for us. What do you think was the most important point in the game? Um I think Matthew has the answer to this question. It was after in the fourth quarter, there was about six minutes to go. We just held the Saints to a three and out. Um, they punted. Jabril almost gave us a heart attack oh by gosh. almost dropping that punt. He got it. I never feel and comfortable. Two plays later, Tyrod gets a little pressure, drops his eyes, resets his feet, throws light over the middle, interception. That Ugly is a, interception. That is a turnover you cannot make in that situation. Five minutes to go in the fourth quarter – you're winning. You need You're to deep put, in your own territory. You need to put a drive together, at least burn some clock. You cannot turn the ball over there. It's not the gain that you're going to get on that throw is not worth the risk when you have to. And he knows better. And it, it's it was an freaking, ugly interception. It's stuff like that that like we he can do whatever he he can play as well as he wants the rest of the game. He, you can't do that. And then it's just a handful of plays later. Michael it, Thomas, perfect pass in the back of the end zone for the Saints to the, go. Yes. Touchdown. It, it couldn't have been worse timing for him to throw an interception. They, they got it. They caught it like the 45, and they ran it all the way back to the 20. Yeah. When our defense just absolutely abused them, like took them back eight yards. We sacked Drew Brees, forced them to punt. Yeah. And they're already in field goal range, only down by two. And like that's So what, now they've got basically the lead. I mean, okay. After, you're talk- after that turnover, they've basically got the lead. 
that that turnover was abysmal. It definitely was the key point where the game turned. And it is interesting. You made the comment before when I was trying to make the point that we may have had three great quarters that the offense was crappy in the first half. It's true. The offense was crappy in the first half. But they scored more points than the Saints, which is one thing. And to start the third quarter, the offense was quite good. Like our first drive in the third quarter, we went down and scored the touchdown. We missed the extra point, but like it was a really good drive to get down there and score the touchdown. And then next time we got the ball, we put another good drive together. We didn't get any points to show for it because we missed a field goal, but that's not on the offense. Like They put another great drive together. And then it was two really terrible ones. One was just ugly, ugly. We had to punt away. And the next one is the one you're talking about in the fourth quarter. I mean, we didn't have that many drives in the second half. And then we came back, obviously, and got the Callaway, like, go at, or game tying touchdown. Should have been go ahead. <laughs> which should have been go ahead touchdown. And so that was good. And it's kind of the lasting taste we have from this game. But you're right. The, like, huge black eye of that interception completely changed the, like, scope of this game. And in the first half, we have to take advantage of the situations we get put in. Those we're, fumble recoveries. We're getting the ball in favorable positions, and we're doing nothing with it. If we weren't getting those turnovers, it would be so much worse and because we, we'd be getting the ball in worse field position. And that's not in isolation. We've been doing that the entire year. The only times we've gotten good field position is off of turnovers by the defense, and we have gotten like – we've gotten like. I mean, Lord knows we're not going to have a punt return to <laughs> – to get a good field position. We were talking about during the oh, game that gracious. we actually want Jabril also, Peppers to call a fair catch on every punt because we're so terrified. Well, didn't we decide that we just want somebody back there to catch the ball, fair catch it, and have 10 people trying to block the kick? Oh, well, man, I was just that, put Jarvis back there because he's got the best hands on the team. He'll secure it every single time. And just go for the block. We, we did talk about that, but fun fact, that's how the Titans got a 66-yard touchdown <laughs> because they called a fake punt, and Kevin Bayard threw a 66-yard touchdown. You're right. That did so happen. it probably wouldn't work, but I loved the idea because I'm terrified. Also, I'm going to fact check us last week. We were calling our special teams coach Amos Lee. It was Amos Jones. definitely Amos Jones. Yes. Did we call him Amos Lee? Yeah. <laughs> I totally did. Amos Whoops. Lee is a musician. I probably started that. There's only so many Amoses in the world. <laughs> Famous Amos. Amos Lee. Oh, Amos gosh. Jones. Hope we didn't lose some listeners from that. Also, a huge shout out to the surviving <laughs> the season guys. Uh, Greg does a fantastic Southern drawl Amos impression. Does he I, I could hear more of that. He assumes that um, Amos Jones is it, like, a, like a two-minute rant, a really backwoods. Oh, they they dislike him more than us. I'm quite certain. That's fantastic. That, I mean, it's fair. It's warranted. I can't think of a punt that we haven't blocked in the back or held on in the, this entire year. We just took. I think we just took the Josh Cribbs years for granted. Like when we had killer special teams. But it shouldn't be that hard. Like it. Oh, like, no. Oh, no, it's not in hard. In the Josh Critz years. You need head we, coaches that care and pay attention to details. When Romeo Cornell. We don't have those type of head coaches. In the Josh Cribbs years, we used to win games just because of our special teams. Yes. Often. Yes. We've talked about this before. Cribbs could still do it right <laughs> now. Right? Like, I'm, I'm not sure that, that he would be great at returning kicks, but he'd be every bit as good as Jabril Peppers is. And I'm quite certain he could cover kicks. 
Because that's about as much about like Just want to and want to want yeah. to as anything else. We promote him to special teams coach. He is the coach of our special teams, and he's one of the players on our roster. He leads by example. He goes out and he slaughters people, and it inspires confidence in the rest of the players. I'm all for Speaking it. Speaking of special teams, the the Patriots. Matthew Slater has been on the Patriots for ten years. Yeah, because they that. because they care about special teams. He never plays offense. He's not even listed on their depth chart as a. He's listed as a specialist, like on their depth chart. He's technically a wide receiver, but when they list their wide receivers, he's not even listed. He doesn't play offense ever. He doesn't return kicks either. He just covers kicks. That's awesome. He's a gunner and he runs down the field on the kickoff unit. Because it's important. That's all he freaking does. Because it's well, important. And what's important, the Patriots know, is important. And for a while, we had really good, some really good specific special teams players. Like Tank Carter was a very good special teams player. That um, Johnson Batamosi was a very good special teams player. Before him, Josh Cribbs was a very good special teams player. We don't have a single very good special teams player on our team right now. Not one. No. I think yeah, everyone yeah, on our would. team is begrudgingly playing special teams. Oh. Because they all want... You know who I think is a good special teams player is James Burgess when he's healthy. Ooh, I'm going to reserve an opinion but on that. But James Burgess isn't fast. Like, he might have the hustle, but... I think but... he'd beat our 5-2 times. Yeah, probably. But I I wouldn't wouldn't describe my... I'm going to improve on that 40 time this year. We should. We, oh, we're, we're doing re- it again. There's no training. doubt we're doing it again. Oh, man. It's like my New Year's resolution. I'm going to start getting in shape. Didn't we say we we're going to add an add an event each year? <laughs> yes. yes. We, we should do that because it would make it more Can exciting. we do the bench press next? Yeah. No. Wait, like, but we have to lower year, the weight. Year five, we have to lower the weight. Year five. We're, we're doing the whole combine. <laughs> <laughs> or we get older every year and we add an event every year. <laughs> I think the goal should just be to get a little bit faster every year. Do like the Rich Eisen. I no. want. I want to add. No, I think we got to add. No, I'm with you. All. In, let's take a. We'll, let's we'll have a vote. Out which one? Let's have a vote. We'll we'll put this up to the fans. We'll do a Twitter poll. We'll we'll have like three or four events that we could add and do a little Twitter poll. Pick I'm from. gonna do vertical leap. I think okay. I beat you on that's vertical fine with leap. Me. Yeah, I'm fine. You're with just that too. taller, Matthew. Just because you can touch the rim doesn't mean you can jump higher. No, than I us. know. <laughs> I know, but I would be interested to see it. A vertical leap would be a good one, actually. I yeah. think we all would feel pretty confident. It's quite just like the forty that we would beat the others. Yeah, that's fair. Let's do that. Okay, Let's we're we're avoiding All right. talking about this game. You know who I want to talk about? Or do you have something you really want to say, Michael? I mean, I interrupted you. Unless you're, right. you're moving on, if you're moving on from the game, like we can haven't we, directly we, no, I'm not moving on from the situation. Can we talk about how lucky it is that in the last like minute of the game there was three like lead changes, but also that pass from Tyrod was so freaking lucky. Which one? Fourth the and only, five, the Hail only Mary one that he threw deep. Callaway. Yeah. Like, what, are first you, of all, wait, first no, of no, all, no, no. You can say that was lucky, but you can also say that it was a perfect pass because this is the one situation where the way that Tyrod Taylor throws the ball, where he throws it up and it drops in there like a teardrop, and it's like almost soft at the end of the like it doesn't pick up velocity anyway. It somehow slows down, and it was right there for Antonio Callaway to catch it with his fingertips. Like that was the place that it needed to be. Luckily, Antonio Callaway's fast enough to go get it. But, by the way, if you haven't seen a replay of that catch and watching Antonio Callaway when he spots the ball coming his way, he's, he's like, about the 25-yard line. <laughs> he goes, 
oh man and he kicks it in the high gear like what what speed is he running at the rest of the time because like when he sees the ball in the air he immediately speeds up it's like he hits turbo i felt like i was like playing like mario or something and i like hit the b button there's no like he was just like flying there's no turbo in mario michael i mean it might not be called turbo but you run extra fast when you hit the B button and run, you go super, super fast. Oh, super fast. oh retro Mario. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. No, but, so Jarvis Landry was running right next to him, and before Antonio Callaway was like jogging, he was way out running Jarvis Landry. And you can see Jarvis like pumping his arms, running as fast as he can, and then Antonio Callaway just puts it on. How come how come Jarvis never throws deep? And then fourth Tyrod or Jarvis? Tyrod, sorry. Jarvis, I don't know why Jarvis never <laughs> yeah. throws deep. What an idiot. <laughs> why do they never give him a chance to throw the damn ball? They're always making him catch okay, it. Okay, but no, you see. He never, he never throws deep. And then fourth and five, we need five yards. And he's just like, Games F on the line. He's like, F it. Let's do a, a really low percentage throw. It's it's now, it's this or nothing. Yeah. I mean, but they sent two, they sent, was it Jarvis was the other one that went deep? Yeah, like I mean, they said yeah, Jarvis was deep. right underneath. Yeah. Like I mean, that, it was partially is the play call too. Yeah, I don't know. It's a valid question, Matthew. But I, okay, I, mean, I, mean, was, I mean, it seems like the the last if your bread and butter is seven yard six yard completions on fourth and five, and it's fourth and five, like either scramble or throw it for six or seven yards. And, and there was someone wide open in the middle of the field for a first down too. You chuck it and. Callaway I mean, had already started slowing up on that route. We are complaining about a touchdown right now, and I just want. <laughs> I just want. <laughs> no, no, but but here's here's my point in saying that that was lucky. Like, if that is an incomplete pass, which it had every business being, yeah, given how like low percentage it was, say the defender played it better. Or he overthrew it, or yep. Callaway bobbled it for a second and didn't get his feet in. Sure. This is a completely different freaking game, and we're really pissed, pissed at, Tyrod. at Tyrod because he lost the fucking game for us. Yeah, no, it's it's true, but and not he just completed on that, that pass. He completed that pass. He did, and okay, because it was right before that he took that awful sack, where he had all the room to step up in the pocket, and he decided to it do was, like a little spin rollout. It was right before that. For some reason, he will not step up in the pocket. It's been consistent. It, it's mind-blowing because he's always had room to step up on the pocket yeah. and he's not using and it. And you're so freaking athletic, just just put your foot in the ground and go. Part of what's frustrating about that to me is no. like that Baker's so good at moving and stepping up in the pocket and using the space he's and got. And he's the rookie. Yeah. So anyways, the Tyrod thing is weird and I don't know how much to separate. Like since both Tyrod and Todd Haley are new to us, I don't know how much to associate with Haley or how much to associate with Tyrod's decision-making. At this point. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because in week one, we played in bad weather conditions, and Tyrod threw, threw downfield more than almost any other team in the entire NFL in terrible weather conditions. So part of me thinks, huh, maybe Tyrod's a different player, but I almost think Todd it's Haley. Todd Haley overthinking things and trying to do what we, they assume we're not going to do. We weren't tossing Which the ball Which is kind of the same thing this week, right? Like, after we showed a bunch of deep throws, granted we had Josh Gordon that week, so that helps things when you're throwing deep. But then in week two, you're it's all over the middle of the field. It was exactly what we didn't see in week one, and then we don't really throw deep until we really needed to at the end of the game. 
I mean, literally, we didn't throw past 20 yards, I don't think, until that end of the fourth yeah. quarter. Which, which honestly, that's what Tyrod has proven that he can do. <laughs> and it was fun. Throw over me. the middle of it. And it was good. He was 20 for 30. He had I, I 250 yards. Like, I think with Tyrod, you want to take a few shots a game, and that's about what you want to do. Like we had this on a couple Antonio Callaway slant plays where he just caught it in stride and it was fantastic. I, th- I do think that that's what I want to do. If the shot down the field is right there at the end and it's a surprise and we get a touchdown, I'm going to be happy about it every time, unlike Matthew. Um, but Tyrod's completion percentage was astronomically better this time. He was about 70% this, I think, this week. Yeah, but it's, but it's for no yards. He finished with like 250 and like 55 came on that final pass. Yeah, but I think so, his yards so per completion are otherwise he's like stuck yeah his average was like his yards per completion are are low. It was like true. his without average pass, without that pass that makes yeah. sense. But his average was eight point two. You take away the fifty yarder. That's true of most quarterbacks. Like you get a big play that boosts your yards per. Like completion. I mean, yeah. really that it's hard. Yeah, to, but this is this isn't like a big. If there was play a second one, like you wouldn't you, be complaining. You hit a guy like in the same like good in stride. This is kind of a prayer. It was a perfect pass. Matt. It was a perfect this pass. This was a freaking prayer. Okay, also, no, but it was, okay, we're talking about how perfect the pass is. How ridiculous was the catch on that play? He's running towards the freaking goalpost. Can you imagine, like, running full speed towards the goalpost? Antonio having to cal- catch the Callaway ball? Callaway doesn't care. <laughs> Antonio Callaway doesn't even know what the goalpost is. He's never even noticed it. <laughs> He's like, he's I was thinking about that. Like, I would just be scared of running in the freaking goalpost. And then he you catches it, it, it sticks to his hands, and he gets three yeah, feet in before he goes out. Like, unbelievable. Yeah. You know what it reminded me of so much? And I thought about this on the way home from work today. It was like a mirror image of this is going to be real niche. The niche. Niche. <laughs> niche. I hate people to say the, niche. The Hail Mary. <laughs> the. Hail Mary to beat Tennessee last year. Mm-hmm. Felipe Franks to Tyreek Cleveland. It was like a mirror image of it. Antonio Callaway's clutch. He's good. I was, and I was excited. Look, we were going nuts. I thought I thought we'd won the game. Uh, I really did, with too. With that there. And we, ma- we make that extra point. There's a good chance that our... Like you, it's, How different it's not, do you it's think not that a changes mir- like the mentality? I, I like really think it does. Versus tied. I really think it does because of this whole thing that I've been saying, that the defense is so demoralized based on putting the offense in a great situation and then being screwed over, and then the offense screwing over them when they've had a fantastic game against Drew Brees, and then Tyrod gives it away, and they have to defend it from the 20-yard line for the go-ahead touchdown. Yeah. Like You just have to – that has to be a mentality thing of, like, I've done all I can do. I'm, I've been put in a situation where I can't win the game, and now we miss the extra point, and all of a sudden, we're not winning the game. I have to play to defend from losing the game when I've done that the entire time. Uh, the defense played tremendous. The one play that killed us is there was a breakdown in coverage. Ted Ginn goes for 42 yards on the second play from scrimmage after the Callaway touchdown. Yep. Now they're in field goal range. With 40 seconds to go. And then, and then they that, screwed the pooch after that. Because the, Saint, the Saints messed up. Like, you, you've you got – we Browns have one timeout. You've got to run that clock down and kick that field goal. And they goal. threw a couple of incompletions. Like – They left the door open. The Saints gave us a chance to come back in that game. They should have just put it away, kicked the field goal, got, gotten out of there 21 to 18. Yeah, and so they left – they left yes. like 25 seconds left on the clock. 
And I will say, so Matthew, you're hating on Tyrod, but whenever we got the ball back, we had two perfect plays. Absolutely perfect. Couldn't ask for anything more Jarvis than what over Tyrod, the middle. Jarvis over the middle for like, what, 20, five or 30, 25 or 30 yards, yards, and then 15 to Antonio Callaway to put us in a 52-yard field goal position to tie the game. It, we, the script was written to me at that point. It was like, oh, Zane Gonzalez has a chance to redeem himself. Like, he's got every bit of the leg for this kick. Like, I'm not worried about that part. And We're he playing did. in a dome. I knew he was going to miss it. I really he thought he was going to make it. it. I really thought he was going to make it. I, I like to remain optimistic, and I was um, praying that he was going to make it. I can't say that if I was a betting man that I would have wagered that <laughs> just, he, wagered that he would have made it, but every part of me was trying to tell myself that he was going to make that. Which isn't it so funny? I was sending y'all, positive y'all vibes. Y'all were both thinking he was going to make it. I'm the one who's known for defending Zane Gonzalez on this podcast, it's and true. I thought he was going to miss. It's true. I just think positive vibes have a... Okay, so I want to highlight a couple of players on this in this game and hear your guys' thoughts on other players yep. that deserve accolades. On offense, I'd like to see some more of our other running backs other than Carlos Hyde. I, I don't hate Carlos Hyde. He ran hard on that touchdown run. I appreciate the effort, but I don't think you've got the upside with Carlos Hyde taking a majority of the carries that you get with either Nick Chubb or Duke Johnson. Like, I just like what those guys bring to the table. I feel like Carlos Hyde is the floor, and you can do so much better with both guys. Like, do you do. think if, Here, if do, Carlos Hyde was hurt for you, do you think that Carlos Hyde would have gotten that first down when Duke Johnson didn't get the first down on the fourth and one? Um, I, I Don't get me wrong. I like Duke Johnson more, but Carlos Hyde, I think, would have gotten that first down. I, I think more of my comment... I, I don't hate that call, first of all, because you have Duke Johnson in the field. You, The defense has to account for a lot more. So then you, when you run a draw play like that to Duke Johnson. And Tyrod may have changed that play at the line of scrimmage. He, he did, did change he did. that play at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And so and that's fine. I, I don't hate well, that call. I don't, I don't know if he changed the play or changed the direction or like. He I, did. Don't know, I don't know exactly what he did. He, he, he did something. He made a call. <laughs> there. Anyway, I don't hate Duke Johnson on that play and having to do a short yard, make a short yardage run. Like that's going to happen on occasion. And I think it's hard. It makes it hard on the defense. It didn't work out this time. That's fine. But to answer your question, if Carlos was getting that, I like his chances better on that particular play. I don't know that he necessarily gets it either, but yeah. I do like his chances better in that down but and distance, but I'm not all upset three about of the our, call. All but three of our backs have pretty good hands. My point I, about but the other running backs. My point about the other running backs is I want the other two to get more looks. Okay, for that, for running the ball, fine. Let's go back to the Tyrod interception. Carlos mm, Hyde, the cornerstone did a of our podcast, killer job picking up the blitz up the center. Oh yeah, just he did. deadpan the guy. Yeah, that. Which and it was ultimately that pressure that forced Tyrod to like break up his timing. And the Nick guy Chubb ju- did a freaking terrible job on pass protection last week on the mm-hmm. in the plays that he was in. That matters. So there's there's more to the dy- there's more to being a running back than just being more dynamic running the ball. Like Carlos Hyde is the most well rounded back that we have. I get that. I'd like some more touches for Duke Johnson. I would like some more touches for Duke Johnson. We just and I just don't. Jo- I don't think there's enough. Like I, I say this that I want to see more from the other two, but 
I don't think there's enough carries to go around. I kind of wish it was two guys we were trying to share carries but with. But here's the thing. It's just hard. It's the freaking NFL. There's a running back. Somebody's going to get hurt. We're, somebody else is going to get the opportunity. We've got three. Like, it's a 16-game season. We're going to yeah. We're gonna get a chance to, to see those guys. If, if Carlos Hyde gets a nick and goes down for a couple games, I'll be fine seeing Nick Chubb. Yep, I agree. Play a few. I'm also not bummed that in this season where we're not really going to be fighting for a playoff spot that Nick Chubb's not just getting beat to crap you know it's true it's true like I'm not sure I, I want to re-sign him like, I after love, his rookie deal anyway but I love that he when he's getting his opportunities he's making the most of them like he pops off the screen when you yeah. watch him run he's really patient he doesn't he's not too aggressive like he knows how to play the running back position. And so, anyways, I, that was one one thought I had coming out of this game. And really the only one on offense. But I'm just scared about our passing game. Yep. You know who I didn't notice? Desmond Harrison. Yeah, I know. He did a pretty good job. Desmond Harrison was solid from what I could tell. Yeah, I think I saw something from PFF. He was one of the – he was our fifth highest rated offensive player on the week. That's nice. Yeah. He allowed two quarterback pressures. Um, so I buried Hugh Jackson for this decision. I really did. I was not happy about this decision at all. Um, we remember. But the listeners remember. It's turned out okay. It has turned out okay. And if you go back and so look. So far. I mean. If you go back and look at Austin Corbett's numbers from the preseason, Austin Corbett wasn't actually that great. At least if you're looking at PFF's rankings of guards. Yeah, Austin, no. Austin Corbett was playing against second and third string people. It wasn't the best. One of the, actually, one of the worst guards. I think it's hard, though. Sorry, I'm yawning. Um, I think it's hard, though, when you're playing with a co- consistent rotation of centers and tackles next to you. <laughs> You know what I mean? He pl- so they had Austin Corbett playing the entire game, and it's a different cast of characters rotating next to him on either side. He's never played guard in his life. Like, yes, his grades might not have been awesome, but there was a handful of times that he really jumped off the screen in preseason two. Yeah. So I, it's hard to judge. How do you feel about how we're using Njoku? Because there's part of me that's frustrated – He's always going to be the player that's going to drop the ball. So that's fine. You just have to live with that. But part of me is frustrated that we're, I guess, on that interception we were trying to get him up the seam down the field. The ball yep. was late. We, we kind of saw that similar play um, last week, week one, where the yep. ball was tipped, where it was because, late, late in the game. It was a similar ball. route, right? Uh, I'm frustrated that we're not getting him, down, getting him the ball down the seam much. Late in that game, he caught a bunch of like five yard curls, like in the center of the field. Well, kind of yeah, the, he just the, went and posted up play. in the. I'm annoyed uh, because now he's like going to draw so much more attention from the defense because we don't have Josh Gordon. Like that just we got is, Antonio Callaway, baby. <laughs> anyways, We're good. there was one play a- that Antonio was Callaway so fresh. Is good though, like if we get him the ball, if we can get him the ball, like he is can be he can runs. grow into. What Josh Gordon? He still needs to be more consistent. He he had that drop. Was it the third quarter? Yeah, uh, got him over the middle of the field, and it was it was a tough, close. He struggles with those ball. contested catches over the middle. Yep. Um, 
if he's like on the outside, he makes and he if he gets a clean break, he's gonna make the catch. But if there's like somebody coming to challenge the catch over the middle, or if he has to go over the top and make a catch like over someone, like he's not the guy that makes that type of catch in the air yet. He's he's gonna win. He has no on... chance to make that Josh Gordon touchdown from last week. Oh, no chance. No, no that's not an Antonio Callaway play. Antonio Callaway wins on the route and getting open and making a catch that way. And he's actually marvelous at running routes. That's what I'm excited to see a little bit more of. So, anyways, that's kind of offense. On defense, it wasn't like a huge jump off the screen Miles Garrett game. He didn't have the stats to kind of like wow anyone. But he really opened things up for Mr. Larry Ogunjobi. Larry made some significant pushes up the middle. He, uh, was, he was 10 yards in the backfield. Many times. Often. <laughs> it was fantastic. Larry's the man. He is the man. Such a little ball of muscle. Oh, no, man. and like you were saying, so the reason why he opened up the space for Larry Ogunjobi is because the Saints were constantly pulling their guards over to double team Miles Garrett, and so Ogunjobi would just dice right in there. My favorite play was it got called back. It wasn't actually an actual sack, but he he could have had three been sacks. His third sack. It yeah. would have been his third sack where he was on the ground, reached out, grabbed Drew Brees' leg, and just pulled him so hard. It was like it was like pulling like a like the floor out from under him. He just Drew Brees fell right to the ground. Just so strong, unbelievable. I wonder if if I could do that to somebody. I don't. I don't I think so. My six year old, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe the four year old. Yeah. Imagine uh, what it takes to yank somebody down by one leg, like with such force when they while know you're it's coming. laying straight on your stomach. Yeah. Like so to have such a the, strong back. Like oh, yeah. like you're you're doing this. It's an amazing amount of like chest strength. And it's like the the sudden strength too, because it's not like a long pull. It's just like yank. Uh, it was so fun to watch. My favorite thing that's ever happened was when Larry no- Larry Ogunjobi's parents told him to stop playing video games and go play football. <laughs> that's the best thing that ever happened to me. I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know it happened at the time, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Good times. Um, no, he looked he looked great. A nice uh, note on those those were all third down plays when he had those sacks. Like really huge, like momentum swinging, game changing place. So the two that counted in the third one would have counted if we hadn't had a ticky tack. And there was at least one occasion. It might have been, might have been two where Miles was in there too. Yeah. If if and Joby didn't get it, Miles. And last week, last week those were the plays that Miles made. And it's great to know that if you allocate extra resources to guarding miles guess what Ogunjobi's there in the middle and he's gonna make the play so you gotta you gotta pick your poison and they're both right there on the right side and they're gonna get in um a pass rush from our front four that we haven't seen uh ever since I can remember watching Cleveland Browns football the which is very exciting the one guy who didn't really flash this week he didn't see anything from Jannard Avery he was there but there wasn't a whole lot to be seen agree no, hardly any impact. Like he, he could have not been on the field for all I know. Yeah. Um he was yeah. on the field. He definitely was. The only other player I think that needs any recognition from the Browns defense. Uh maybe there's two. Randall. I think both safeties played well. Randall was like banged up and it was pretty evident on a few plays. Randall but had two he, fumble recoveries though. So he was nice. 
on that fumble recovery, that one on the sideline, like that's really hard he secured to recover. It. He I'm secured actually it. surprised they called it like recovered. It's another situation where we got a fortunate call. No, if you field. go if you go back and if you look call at it, it the other way, we might not keep it. If you go back and look at it, Randall, as soon as it touched his hands, it was like it was there. It was locked in. Yeah, it was locked in. And then he slid out of bounds. But Jabril had a good game too. He's looking comfortable on the field in a way that he never really looked last year. He's made he's made some good tackles um, in pursuit of the running back. Good sticks, like filling the gap at the line of scrimmage. He had to fill the gap on a. They does, barely got the first down. He but does look more comfortable, like in a linebacker-ish position, yeah. than a deep safety for sure. Yeah, I remember just watching him in college, and you could watch. Like you could see the confidence like oozing from him on the field, whether he was like on defense or returning a punt or any of it that I haven't seen until these last couple weeks from Jabril Peppers. Like there's been a few plays where he's lining up on the line of scrimmage and he looks like a hungry dog. And like, that's what I was hoping to see from Jabril, and I am just starting to get a little taste of it. So that's kind of exciting to to see more and more. Gerard right. Avery only played 21 snaps last game, though. Chris Smith got a lot of run. Miles Garrett played 65. So Miles Garrett's only missed one snap in the entire season. Yep. Of playable downs that he what could be What was he in. doing? <laughs> Getting blocked by multiple offensive what, linemen. What do you need, Gatorade? I mean, come <laughs> on. What's his deal? <sighs> Um, okay, here's one other thing I want to talk about, and we're going to go back to offense, is Tyrod. It is astonishing to me, with Tyrod's skill set, why is it that we can't set up a functioning running back screen? We've tried at least eight during these first two games, and every single one of them has been incomplete or a loss of yardage. We're throwing these wide receiver screens to Rashard Higgins, which is not the guy I want to catch wide receiver screens, but nevertheless, we're doing it. It's fine, and we've gotten some yards out of it. Mm-hmm. But why can't Tyrod throw a running back screen properly? It's like he's so uncomfortable with the pressure that's coming his way, and it's not what you would expect he's, he's from a, a veteran. He's a little jittery. I also, also don't think he gets the ball out very quickly. I mean, he, he kind of seems to it's – a, it's a little bit of a long, floaty wind-up. You see, you see. I know Philip Rivers is the king of this, so it's kind of hard. It's unfair to compare. But it's like Philip Rivers pushes like, the ball, he's just like when when you've got quarterbacks that are good at the screen pass, and because it's not a far throw, it's it's snappy. Nothing. And like, most like of the time, you don't you don't even see it coming, and it's when, gone. When Roethlisberger throws it, it's like a side armed, like a yeah. quick, and he gets it around defenders <laughs> and stuff like that. And it just seems like Tyrod's toss waiting. And then he's tossing and it over a defender. There's too much air under it, or there's a defender in the way. The angle's not right. I don't know. I also feel like our de- defenses read the screen pass so much better against us than we do against them. Yes. And, well, I, and I don't know if that's like just timing and play calling in that like the we're getting beat at the coaching staff level where they're calling the right defensive play against what they expect to come from the offense or sure. Or if we're tipping it, maybe, maybe Tyrod's not selling, selling the other fake or the offensive line is losing their blocks too early too going out, getting too much pressure. But I will say that we have gotten better. I haven't seen these large 
50, 60 yard chunk plays and screen passes that we had last year. Oh, last year was the worst. Last year was the absolute worst. Here's here's one of the things I wanted to say. We haven't done this yet, and we've been hard on Greg Williams, but our defense has played really well, and Greg Williams, Sam by name, deserves some of the credit. Maybe maybe a good chunk of it. Maybe seventy five percent. Let's sixty nine, something like that. More than fifty percent of the credit Greg Williams deserves. Um, anyone else you want to talk about in the game before we move on? We got a lot of off the field All right, topics I, to cover. Yes, and uh, there is another thing I want to say about the game. We have not talked about Zane Gonzalez missing those field goals yet, and it, that was obviously a huge factor in the game to miss two. Huge factor. We haven't talked about it. I can't imagine someone listening to this podcast and being like, that's obviously what they wanted to hear. But there's so many other things that led up to us losing this game, and we could have won the game with the missed field goals even still. We could have won it on the field if our offense had to play better. Here's what kills me is he was playing hurt, apparently. And we we noticed it during the game that it didn't seem like he was following through on his kicks, and that, that must have contributed to it. I hate so was I he hate how keeping, it's set up in the NFL where if you're a kicker and you're hurt, you better not say shit because you can't afford to be hurt for a week. Yeah, because you're gonna lose your freaking job. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, if I feel sorry for the dude. Like it's almost he, like there should be a special he, IR for kickers where you can come back whenever you're ready. I think the Browns made the move that they had to make. By moving on from Zane Gonzalez, especially, after this. especially like when you're if when he's hurt, and maybe would have an injury. Like mentally, he's he's a mess. Mentally, up. you just don't know what you're gonna get. It's better to like not take the chance and move on. From an organizational mm-hmm. standpoint, it's kind of what had to happen. But all of the like backlash on social media, yes, that stupid Browns fans are like giving him and his family and whoever else. Like, who are you? Do you have a soul? Do you ever do anything that like you kind of wish you didn't do and like really actually are frustrated and like hate yourself for doing? Like that's what Zane Gonzalez did. He just lost his job and knows no. that he did it. Let down all of the people that he's been spending every single day with. Has been working his tail off to improve and like knows that he let a whole city down that's and been dying had, for a win. No, no, and then, then everyone spent 24 hours oh. like knowing that he was going to get fired the next day. And get all of those hate messages from people on Twitter. But not only did he lose his job. And even, Lebr- even he, LeBron even posted LeBron something on Instagram yes. or something about... What did LeBron say? I didn't see that. He, he, was, like, he was just like, You better on, not even say my bad. You're going to get your ass beat. <laughs> yeah. He said did that. Did you see what Jarvis said? No. Jarvis was just like somebody asked him about kickers and yeah. like what he wants from his kickers or something like that. Yeah. He's like, just makes kicks, man. And he was like super, super salty. <laughs> it was just like, just make the damn kicks. Which is like, which, which is so funny because, I mean, yeah, but you can't do it. So unless unless you can go out there and do it, like. But it it is true. Really Jarvis anything. Landry's perspective is my I know what my job is and I do every possible thing that I can to be the best I can possibly be at that job. Yeah. And and it, if you're missing that many kicks, you're not doing what you need to be doing to be the best at your job. And that's what he's frustrated about. And, and I get it. Like I, if you feel like you worked your tail off and do so many things well, the thing that to sucks win is games, Jarvis can like mail it in for a week. Or just like 
make four mistakes in a game. Yes. And you don't even know. Yeah. Yep. No, it's Kickers true. can't hide. Yeah. It's it's absolutely brutal to be a kicker in the NFL. And the, this is my soapbox. The fact that people on social media feel like they can harass Zane Gonzalez personally and his sister personally. Apparently his sister deleted her Twitter account because she was harassed so brutally. Um, and, like, this guy, this guy not only lost his job. You said he lost his job, Michael, and that's a big deal. He not only lost his job, he possibly lost his entire life's dream. Like, his dream that he's been building up to up until this point is to be a player in the NFL, a kicker in the NFL, and he made it. And he had one bad game, and he's going to lose possibly all of that. And then everyone feels like from their couch that they could just be like, yeah, you piece of work. Like, how dare you? You lost my, my Browns the game, which he did. I mean, they're not wrong, but I still blame Tyrod. I still blame Tyrod too. I mean, and that's the thing. Granted, like, you can't have you can't have games even, come up to the fact that you need your kicker to make the game. Yeah, like we would if we left this game. If Tyrod hadn't thrown the interception, we possibly could have won that game, even with all Zane's mistakes. Gonzalez would have missed a PAT and a field goal, and we would have been like, you know what, tough game for the kicker, but we got the win. Yep. No, that's he'd still have his job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have needed that second extra point. I mean, he, with Zane how Gonzalez, our defense was playing, Zane Gonzalez would still have his job if Callaway didn't catch that touchdown. Yes, he, there's a good chance he wouldn't have had that attempt for the PAT to miss, and he. Yeah, you miss pres- one. Pres- you miss one field goal in a game, PAT. The game would have been over, so he wouldn't have had that game-winning field goal attempt. Like well, that's what's brutal about Zane Gonzalez's position is like he was like one thing goes different. He's not even put in this position where he can fail. Well, here's the thing that is just, I I would imagine as a GM is the hardest thing to figure out with a kicker is like, do they have the mental ability and fortitude to like make the kicks when it really matters to be, and that's basically what we're talking about right now is he had his chance to make the 52 yarder and make it count. And then he would have his job. If he had made the game-winning kick or the game-tying kick at the end of the game, he'd still have his job. And like you just don't know when you're playing in college at a low, you know, at any level really, and you don't have like the huge pressure kicks that you have in the NFL. Like you, it's just hard to judge whether you've got that bone in your body to make the pressure kicks. And this was the most frustrating. I wouldn't have it. I'd be the, I'd no. Be I'd be guys, pissing my pants. I'd be the like a left and right. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it for me. Oh. The thing that frustrated me the most about the situation is he had missed a handful of kicks in the second half, and you saw Hugh Jackson come over and talk to him and try to give him some confidence. You saw some other people come over, like the Colquitt, you know, was patting mm-hmm. him on the head and like trying to bring him up. Where was Amos Jones? Never saw Amos Jones. I'm not gonna lie, I don't even know what Amos Jones looks like. So heavy set, <laughs> he looks, heavy set he, he white looks man. like a cave troll. Heavy set white man. Is Bob Wiley, Amos Jones. No, not, not that, like that heavy set. Do we have Bob Wiley coach special teams? A decent. I bit. feel like Bob Wiley's got some interesting <laughs> thoughts on special teams. I don't. Human body hasn't changed in over a hundred, <laughs> in over a hundred thousand years. I think Bob Wiley needs to be replaced. I think it's part of the problem with our coaching staff, actually. <laughs> oh, um, that's okay. another take well, for another day. That's another. I like our off- our offensive line's been fun. Our offensive line has been fun. So for a long time, our offensive line's been okay. I was in the middle of a point. Mm. The point I was in the Remember middle. Remember what of, we talked about, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> the the point I was in the middle of is, if you're a kicker, 
and you're missing a bunch of kicks, like what do you do to get out of the funk? Do you sit on the bench and just hold your head in your hands like Zane Gonzalez did? Which I get that like you're gonna do that for a second. Or do you get up and warm up and like hit a few and feel good about it? Feel good about it and get your head straight. Mark's thinking about a different kind of pumping a few in. Anyways. (laughs) Regard like I'm thinking about Whenever we would fart as kids, Dad also used to go <laughs> pumping it into the couch cushions. <laughs> Begrudgingly, oh, you're pumping it into the couch cushion. Oh my goodness. No, but yes, you're you're absolutely right. He just sat. I don't. I he just sat I, there and wallowed in it. But there's a. I don't know. I didn't see him kicking, but there's a good chance that he could have been. Oh my gosh. It, so that you was mentioned that, and that is frustrating. But what Joe Thomas said about Hugh Jackson being a good head coach is that he went over to Zane Gonzalez and tried to encourage him and stuff like that. And Joe Thomas, whose opinion I respect above all else. He's so optimistic. He's so, but he's, he's so on board with Hugh Jackson. And this is part of the reason why I'm slightly on board with Hugh Jackson is because the players love him. Hugh Jackson has but isn't almost there... minimal responsibility now at this point when he's not calling offensive plays. He's clearly was never Stop in charge. Stop trying of... to defend Hugh Jackson. I'm no, not going to hear any of I'm it. turning. I'm turning. But... Not actually turning. But there's, like, these things can coexist. Like, he can be a very likable person and, like, a, a, a good, decent human being that, that people enjoy being and still be an awful football coach. Yeah, and, but, and that's the thing. And that like, is true, like, actually. That's, a, that's more of a fact an, than anything. He's an awful football coach. And I have no idea how he went 8-8 eight and eight with the freaking Oakland Raiders in 2013. Like, I, I literally have no idea. Can we talk about this new kicker we signed? Because I'm kind of frustrated about this whole situation. Greg, Do you know his Greg name? Joseph, Chris Joseph, something. There's Greg. I'm just going to call him Joe. Okay, because Greg, Greg Joseph. Joe Joseph. Greg Perfect. Joseph. To me, we needed a kicker that can prove he can make clutch kicks and have the cojones to do it. We didn't sign that because this kid's never made a real kick in the NFL. He was oh, in... Dan Bailey isn't, wasn't coming. Well, that's he fine. He signed with the Vikings. But why not Cairo Santos? Why not... How unfortunate is that? That when another... The Browns, another when, t- the Browns when the Browns need a kicker, kicker another team, a good team in the league, has a bad kicker day and gets to sign two. the kicker. It's the Vikings Zerline, and the Rams Zerline got hurt. And yeah. So the Rams need a kicker, too. But how bad is Zerline's injury? They signed a kicker. They signed oh, they a kicker, yeah. Like, how unfortunate is that? Like, just an absurd level of unfortunate. We get the third pick of the kickers. But here, uh, Greg Joseph, senior year at Florida Atlantic, from 30 to 39 yards, which is the distance that is a extra point in the NFL, his senior year, he was three for four. Will you Browns fans be happy with 75% of our extra points going in? Probably not. Probably not. His junior year, he was even worse, three for five. His sophomore year, he was two for four from 30 to 39 yards, 50%. Yeah, I mean, his overall field goal percentage in his entire collegiate career was 69%. Like, that doesn't cut it as an NFL kicker. Zane Gonzalez's percentage was 83-something percent. You'd have to have a pretty bad long snapper and holder to, to justify a 69%. So, to me, what we needed was somebody that could make clutch kicks and is proven. Like, I know we brought in a bunch of... Zane Gonzalez 2.0. No, someone that was worse than Zane Gonzalez. Like, and maybe he has the clutch gene that, like, but 
I don't know why you would go with somebody that hasn't proven it when there's options of guys that have made and been made kicks and been successful in the NFL available. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And maybe you bring them in, you put a bunch of pressure on them, you try to simulate stuff in a workout. But to me, whatever you're simulating in a workout doesn't mean squat compared to what you've shown in the past. Like when you have a kicker that has inexperience and the and is unable to make the clutch kicks like Zane Gonzalez just showed, you got to go with a guy that is like you know what you're getting. I mean, We're getting a big fat question mark with Greg Joseph. Kyra Santos isn't exactly great. And if Blair you look Walsh, at his numbers, Blair he's been Walsh solid until he got option. hurt. Kyra Santos is fine. He's like in the 70 something. I'm perfectly fine with Kyra Santos. He just got hurt. It's the only reason he doesn't have a job. I'm for, I all I have to say is my parting words about this Greg Joseph thing is the Browns kicking woes of 2018 are not over. Mark, and there's no doubt in my mind that that's the case. Market play. Maybe Greg Joseph is great, and he's clutch as anything. And all those games in the Florida Atlantic game just didn't mean enough for him to make them because it's a Florida Atlantic game. Oh, jeez. But he's actually super clutch. That's all we can hope for. Um, so one of the things that we have not talked about that is obviously ginormous news is the fact that we said on Saturday night that we were going to cut Josh Gordon unless we could trade him. Ended up having traded him today for a fifth-round pick to the New England Patriots. What are the chances that Josh Gordon has a long and prosperous career in New England and he stays clean the entire time? He. So I thought about this. Um, I thought about a couple of things in my drive home. Um, I thought about this, too. I don't think he's going to be a Patriot after this year. To me, this is... Well, he's got two years left on his rookie contract. Without No, he doesn't. He, he's going to be a restricted free agent after this year. So what's going to happen is he's going to go to New England, they're going to put up with his shit for the rest of the season, try to win a Super Bowl, and they're going to let him walk in free agency and get whatever compensation in return. They're going to put a tender on him. Which will probably get whatever be higher, compensation is. Probably be higher than a fifth-round draft pick. And they're going to recoup, if not all of the value that they gave up to, to get him, a lot of it. So I, I think he's going to do well in New England because I think they're going to put him in a position to succeed. I think he's not going to change. I think the Browns are going to get roasted because he's going to go out there and thrive, and then he's going to get a free agent contract from somebody, and we'll see if they want to put up with his crap for as long as we do. This wouldn't surprise me at all. This would not surprise me at all. My overarching question is, why now? Like, he's late to a meeting? And showed up there's with a little bit of hand Like There's, there's way more been, going on. There's reports he's been habitually late. There's way more going on. And that would, be, that would be something significant. Like, if he has been warned in the couple weeks since he's been back, like, hey, you're not holding up to your end of the bargain. Like, this has to change. If it doesn't, you're gone. But that's not what's been indicated so far. Well, I, I don't know. I it, Like, to me, him showing up, late on Saturday with a hamstring thing is not worthy of him getting cut. And I want to know more well, no, of the story. No. So obviously it's not. And that's, and that's, this is the laziest take that there could be is the, the people on Twitter who are like, wait, you stuck with him for six years and then he gets a hamstring injury and you decide to quit on him. It's like, <laughs> there's not a chance that that's what's happening. 
There's not a chance that that's what's happening. But that's exactly... Okay, here's, here's the thing. Yes, obviously, there's not a chance that that's what's happening is because of the hamstring injury we cut him. But as a Browns fan who's, hist- who's waited for Josh Gordon, the, the saga of hope that we've been strung on for the last uh, five years, it's grueling, absolutely grueling, to finally have a chance where he's healthy, where he can play an entire season, where we need him, and then to have him cut. Like, why now? That sort of thing. And I think what Browns fans want is they want a little bit more explanation from, because they've been strung along for so long. And the thing that's infuriating to me is exactly what you said about the Josh Gordon thing, going over to the Patriots and the Browns are going to get just absolutely ridiculed because he's going to have a good time. That's like the most, that's the most frustrating thing to me is the media coverage of just like the everything that the Browns do is absolutely unequivocally 100% wrong. It's demoralizing. Not going to lie. It takes a effect on my personal psyche. So day to day, I have my a confidence is lowered because I'm a Browns fan. That's fair. There's, there's, it's a lot of beating up that happens yeah, being a Browns fan. So I have a question for you. Yes. If Sashi Brown was our GM and the Browns decided to move on from Josh Gordon, what kind of compensation do you think the Browns would receive for Josh Gordon under a Sashi Brown run Cleveland Browns organization? It's hard to know. The, the trade returns were better. Under, Way under better. Okay. <laughs> we got a fourth rounder for Andy Lee. And we got a fifth rounder for Josh Gordon, who's on like a nothing contract. What did we, we get for Irvin? Wasn't it a fifth? For Irving? It yeah. was a fifth round. Draft pick. I mean. Yeah, I mean, Josh, Josh <laughs> Gordon's a tough case because on one hand, it's incredible value. But this is my... also looking at as a risk. We, we did get, a, from my understanding of the compensation, it is a guaranteed fifth. Yes. And then there's a conditional seventh that we might send back. If he if, doesn't play enough games. Right. Correct. Which makes sense. I'd rather have the guaranteed fifth than yeah. have like a conditional fifth round pick. Right. Of I am okay with that structure. We have plenty of seventh round picks. John if Dorsey has solidified that. <laughs> He's made sure we had enough seventh yeah, we'll round picks. He gave away one to get Devereaux Lawrence. So we don't, it's not like we have a million. And did we actually even get the Corey Coleman one? Or was that conditional? I thought it was conditional. So I'm not sure if we get that or not. So my issue with this is the general structure of how John Dorsey looks at the team. The positive you get with John Dorsey is he cares about having the right type of players on the team, and so he's going to make the call to get rid of a Josh Gordon. That's the positive you get, and it probably has a good long-term effect on the team. The negative is he doesn't look at it as a value equation whatsoever, and he isn't looking ahead and like actually teasing teams and like evaluating what the value he's going to be able to return on this sort of thing. He just goes, "Ah, we're going to get rid of this guy. He's kind of let's my, kind let's of now myopic. see let's yeah. now see what we can get for him." And then everyone's like, "Huh, we can actually like we don't have guy, to do much." It's like, like the guy who decides to buy a car and so he just goes to the dealership and picks picks which one off the lot instead of Yeah. He is getting what kind of car he wants. He, and 
getting the worst possible value in these sort of trades. And that's really frustrating, particularly after we saw the complete opposite from Sashi Brown, where he was able to, he was consistently looking at the team as a bunch of assets and figuring out how he could maximize them. And consistently taking a long-term approach when all of a sudden now we're taking a win-now mentality. And in John Dorsey's supposed win-now mentality, we're trading away Josh Gordon. I'll That's defend John Dorsey. I I would say getting rid of a Josh Gordon is more of a long term approach because if you were if you had a win now mentality, you would keep Josh Gordon on your team, right? You're you're moving Josh Gordon because he has not espoused the values that you see as being important to be on this team, and you're trying to send a message just like you did with Corey Coleman. And you're, I just wonder, you're, you're done with it. I just I wish just we weren't too, sending messages in the same position group on our team. I yeah, just wonder, true. too, if, if we couldn't have let him play for a couple weeks and then tried to trade him. Have him have three great, two great games. No, this is my point. It's like John Dorsey is too like emotional about this. He's like, I'm fed up with it. Nope, it's, he's gone. It's so black or white. Yeah. Uh, and like Which you got to have a bigger picture yeah. view of it and like you could get so much more value for a guy like Josh Gordon. Like think about how much value the Patriots are getting. If what you say is true, they're not even paying him a million dollars this year to play for them. They're gonna put He's going to be a top 10 talent at wi- the wide receiver position. They're going to put up with some shit. <laughs> okay, but that's fine. And then like if he does get a good contract or they put him on a tender and they get compensation, that's an incredible value that they're getting from him. And all they had to give up was a fifth-round draft pick. Like, that doesn't happen in other cases. Like, if John Dorsey had played his cards right here, he could have gotten so much more. And it's it's about not making the knee-jerk move and being prepared ahead of time. And, like, I hated the signal he sent to the world when he said that we were cutting him on Monday. Like, why would you do that? If you're going to cut him, that's fine, but don't tell the world that's what you're going to do. Like you completely like destroyed the value for him on the market because now every team I is going to call and like okay, know that you're getting rid of him into, anyway. A piece into John Dorsey's mind. I think that he wanted to cut him for that same reason that it's sending a bad signal to the rest of the team because of his actions that the whole team saw. So he decided he wanted to cut him. He's like, "We're going to cut him." And then he said send that signal out to the world. So then whenever he just got a fifth-round draft pick for him, it looked like, oh, well, they were going to cut him anyway. So it's actually like a decent move that they got something for him. Whereas It's well, not a decent move for a guy of his talent to only get... No, I mean, it's, I mean, it sucks. Like, if you just look at it objectively. But when you're going to cut him anyway, because that's what he wanted to do, getting a fifth-round for him isn't as bad. Well, that's dumb. That's no, it is. Legitimately dumb. No, I agree. I agree 100%. But I think it's funny... I think it's funny that they announced they were going to cut him. Who does that? Like, especially because we, it feels to me like they just made the decision Saturday that they were going to cut him and then realized that they'd already ruled him out for the game and he was injured, so they couldn't cut him then because he was, would have to be like waived with an injury designation at that point. And so they were going to have to wait till Monday. Like, why not just wait till Monday and cut him? He's already ruled out. Like, he's not going to travel. Why not just rule him out and then talk to teams about trading for him and get real value? I mean, you can. I, 
if I'm a team in the NFL and I get a random call on a Saturday night after Josh Gordon just got ruled out for a hamstring injury, trying to see if I want to trade for Josh Gordon, I don't, I don't know that I'm real interested. <laughs> I don't know that I'm engaging. I'm be like, I'll call wait, you on Monday. This is week, I'll, I'll, this is week two. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll call you on Monday. How about that? Call you on Monday, John. <laughs> That's fine. But this goes back to my point. Like, Sashi Brown would have already had those conversations before Josh Gordon showed up with his hamstring injury. Maybe. That's my point. I think a combination of Sashi Brown and John Dorsey is the, the best GM that we could have. <sighs> yes. How, how much ear do you think John Dorsey gives to Paul D. Podesta? Do you think Paul D. Podesta walks into I would into actually really love to John know Dorsey's what their room relationship and is like. like like, or do you think John Dorsey just completely ignores him and is like, who is this guy? No, like, I don't, actually. I don't think he completely ignores him. Um, but I get Dorsey the impression... Dorsey doesn't seem like the type that ignores, like, just completely, like, No, I don't think people. he's a jerk. But I also... But I also think he's completely myopic in his decision-making. I think Paul D. Podesta is just working the dream job. He's finally working the NFL. He's getting paid a crap ton. And uh, his... I mean, is he's there not any having way, to do much. Is there any way to evaluate his job performance? <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody. So two completely nobody drastically different GMs to work alongside. Really, what he's doing? He has a C level title. He's just yeah. completely crushing it. I love it. He doesn't even live in Cleveland. That's great. Does he not? No, he lives in California. <laughs> That's the dream. Yeah, living the dream, man. That's anyway. hilarious. Well, um, we, so we have some sort of structure to this podcast. Every, at the end of every podcast, we um, talk we about... talk about Rod Streeter before we move on from Josh Gordon? No. Mark, <laughs> Mark, Mark had an interesting theory about Rod Streeter that I'm not sure. Does anyone know if Rod Streeter's been uh, suspended for PDs? Because Mark thought he had seen that somewhere. We can't find any evidence on the Google. But uh, if you find anything, let us know. I'm yeah. saying I hope he has been because that's the kind of go-getter mentality that I want in a wide receiver <laughs> room. <laughs> oh, I did do some research. Somebody who does everything possible. <laughs> Whatever practices. it takes. Whatever I did try takes. to find something on Rod Streeter because I just remember him being on the Raiders for a few years, and that's all I know. Um, I looked him up on Mock Draftable. All right. Good news. There's, Great. there's a comp. All right. Ricardo Lewis. Really, really highly, <laughs> closely tied to Rod Streeter. Here's the thing. Say what you want about Ricardo Lewis. I would give a lot to have Ricardo Lewis being the gunner on our punt coverage team. That's true. That is true. He's pretty good at that. He's pretty good at that. And I thought, you know, there's definitely opportunity for him to do something on offense, too. He showed something in a couple games last year. He's really good in college. Hey, for depth on our team right now, ahead of like a Ratley and ahead of a Ricardo Der- Lewis a Willies, like I'm down for that. A Ricardo Lewis is the type body that we need. So I think Rod Streeter is going to be a downfield threat for us. Six three, it's a pretty big body. Just mm. running. He ran a four four six. I think what I read is it looked like he would make the Bills this year, but he was hurt. So is he healthy now? Like I think so. Yeah. When was he hurt? Um, a couple weeks ago when cuts were made. I don't know. Uh, although, 
But let's Man. be clear, he didn't make the Bills team. Oh, we forgot to talk about that's the funniest, in desperate the need part. of wide receivers. Oh, this whole Josh Gordon thing. Oh, like <laughs> Cor- Corey Coleman <laughs> lost his job because the Browns traded for Josh Gordon. <laughs> We've cost Corey Coleman his job. Corey Coleman's had a hell of a month, dude. I can't even. He's imagine. gone. He's gone from starting wide receiver. No, he's gone from um, starring in an episode of Hard Knocks. With, with, his his shoe shoe, with his shoe collection to being dropped the same week. Traded. Traded. Not making that team that traded for him. Then picked up by the best team in the NFL over the last decade. And dropped five days later. <coughs> when his, one of his former, former teammate, teammate got signed to the team. It's yeah, bad. Ouch. It's also just like, it's one of those things... You know when you first get, come out of college and you like don't like land right at a job right away, maybe you're trying to figure out what you want to do? You never want to have that time in your career where you like change jobs three times because everybody's like, what, what the hell's wrong with this dude? Like, Who's going to go sign Corey Coleman? He just didn't make the Bills, which is the worst team in the league, and the Patriots, who are the, the worst, best team in the league, the worst have a history res- of like taking advantage of these like distressed assets – don't want you either. Like, both sides where of the is spectrum. he gonna go? Yeah, yeah. And it's he clear can't, he too can't bad, run an offense. Two bad uh, wide receiver rooms. Two wide receiver yeah. rooms that really need some talent, and he's a first round talent. And both of them decided, eh, maybe I, not. I, he's such I can't an imagine to me because I, he was he was good at times for the Browns. Oh yeah, it makes it makes very little sense actually. Um, he's clearly like a terrible person in the locker room. Like really difficult. Like does not show up well. Not a good interviewer. <laughs> like not not a practice guy. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man, man. Oh, I'm starting to think that Jarvis Landry speech was directed just Directly. straight at Corey Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Um, we like to take a look at the other divisional opponents in the league each week and just talk about their game and how that went. Um, so Michael watched the majority of the uh, Baltimore um, Bengals game. Luckily, that was a two and one. And then I watched the uh, Kansas City Steelers game. And I got to say, the Kansas City Steelers game, I watched it on the condensed version. And so it was just play after play after play after play. It was like drinking from a freaking fire hose because there were so many points in that game and they just threw the ball downfield the entire time. Probably still took an hour and 15 minutes. It was absurd. It was just so it was so entertaining. But the one thing that I will say is Pat Mahomes. This isn't about the Steelers at all, but Pat Mahomes has an absolute cannon. The level of arm talent, Michael's favorite phrase, mm-hmm. um that he, the phrase like, I said one time and is coined to be mine. You didn't. You didn't say it one time. You said it a lot of time talking about Deshaun Kaiser. Um, but like he threw the ball in there in like ways that there was clearly windows there that Pat Mahomes was capable of taking advantage of that Tyrod Taylor just was not last week because of the way that Pat Mahomes can throw the ball. Um, so they're vulnerable in a way that I think Baker Mayfield could possibly capitalize on if towards the end of the season we've moved towards Baker Mayfield um, that Tyrod just couldn't couldn't do in the weather couldn't do whenever we played them um but kansas city started out 21 to 0 just jumped out on a huge lead against pittsburgh and pittsburgh looked bad in first in the first quarter they had a ton of penalties and then kansas city just 
leveled them. Pat Mahomes leveled them. And then um, the Steelers came back, and their offense looked good. Ben Roethlisberger played well in this game. Um, and then they, they leveled the playing field at halftime. It was 21-21. to 21. Um, So I think that they're really, really missing Le'Veon Bell. Like, in a bad way. I think that it's affecting the other. Like, James Conner's doing well, and he's, he's producing in some ways. <laughs> I think but the, the defense way that, just let him down. The, the, no? defense, the defense isn't, isn't great. Their secondary is bad, but especially the, without Joe. The effect that, like, Antonio Brown hasn't been good all year. He hasn't produced any of the numbers that he has. Juju Smith-Schuster had a ton of yards um, and a bunch of catches. But because they're, they're, the defenses that the Steelers are playing are able to allocate all of these resources towards Antonio Brown because they're not super worried about James Conner, whereas they would be super worried about Le'Veon Bell breaking a huge play. Um, I think that that's going to affect them moving forward throughout the rest of the year. Um, even though Connor's playing well, and more it's also than, I might I mean it's also being able to move Bell out to play wide receiver. Like they did so much with him to to mess with defenses, like put them in a terrible position and take advantage of it. And exactly like you were saying, the what the running back position is is more than running the football on first down. Le'Veon Bell was a great pass blocker. And Ben Roethlisberger got hit a ton of times in this game against a Kansas City defense that isn't that good. That's true. Um, okay, my take on this game, though, and this wasn't me watching it like you did. I mean, I'm just seeing the highlights. But Casey jumped out to a 21-0 lead. So all of a sudden, Ben has to throw the ball a million times, which he did in this game. It just seemed like the game got out of where the running game was even relevant. So I just don't. I guess Le'Veon Bell brings something more to the table when you got to be passing. But they were tied at halftime. I mean, like, the first quarter was... It was tied at halftime? It was tied at halftime. It was 21-21 at halftime. And and then Kansas City continued to produce. And I don't think the Steelers' defense is what it was in years past. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. Not in any way. The defensive line's pretty good, but that's the only thing they got going on their entire... Here's my question, Mark. Yeah. Is it possible the Steelers aren't very good? Yes. From what I from what I saw, yes, it's possible. Their offensive line is really solid. DeCastro's big, hurt though. Big he Ben. I mean Jesse James had their most receiving yards. Big yeah, Ben is Big Ben. He always starts slow. Like Big Ben almost always starts slow. Like are we really worried about Antonio Brown? I'm not worried about Antonio Brown. No, no. I'm not. I'm worried about I think their offense is I'm worried about Antonio Brown if things start going to crap, though. Like, like I'm not worried about his ability to actually produce, but I'm worried about his attitude when things are going bad. Did you see that tweet that came out today where someone was questioning, saying something that Antonio Brown was Uh, all – his success was all about Big Ben? Yeah. And he goes, okay, trade me. Let's see what happens. And everyone's like, oh, trouble in Pittsburgh – when like really someone was, was just questioning was Antonio Brown's like ability, and that he was self-made versus like made by Ben Roethlisberger, and he was like, okay, let's we can find. There's one way to find out if that's possible. He's defending himself, and everyone's like, oh, he wants to get traded, and oh my goodness, it was a nice was move so by stupid. Antonio Brown. Yeah. Got teams not doing that well. You're oh one and one, not used to that position. He's frustrated. It's a defensible take, and yet gets everybody stirred up. I kind of liked it. 
pretty great. Honestly, the Steelers haven't looked great. I mean, I like to think that we made them not look very good last week, and then we crapped the bed. But they're oh one and one, tied with us at the bottom of the division. I think the Steelers will still win the division. That's my take. I mean, they certainly can. Oh, no doubt. So the other two teams in the division, the Ravens and the Bengals, played on Thursday. It's convenient. Sure, many of you saw this game. This was a weird one too, where there was a jumped out to an early lead. I've never seen the Bengals' offense look so phenomenal. Not playing the Browns. I mean, like <laughs> normally, no, I've seen it a bunch, but I, normally it's against it's just against the Browns. <laughs> oh, that game last year we went to. Oh, it was it was. Oh my it, gosh. It was brutal. It was, was the a, only game last year the where the Bengals game I've ever been to, and I was, was the the, I was at the I was at the fifty-one to three Jacksonville game back in like nineteen ninety-nine. Oh my goodness! Um, so the the story of this game was really just the early lead by the Bengals. Andy Dalton three first half touchdowns to AJ Green, and then they just held on for the lead. Didn't I mean, he have three catches, forty-five yards, and three touchdowns. It at was half-time? five. Oh, at halftime maybe. Yeah. He only had five catches for the whole game. It was three for like no yards. Because you had him on, you have him on your fantasy team, and you were playing me this yeah, I week. Kicked your ass. Yeah, <laughs> but it could have been way worse because he didn't have that many catches or yards. He no. just had three touchdowns. So that was the story of this game. And then the Ravens had to pass the ball a ton. Joe Flacco had a couple of interceptions. They got themselves back into the game, and there was a late turnover. I don't. I mean, my take, and I've said this on the podcast a couple times, the Bengals have a lot of talent. That talent showed up in this game. The coaching was obviously very good to have the game plan to get them there and to jump out to that early lead on the offensive side of the ball in particular. Um, Some of the younger guys you might be looking at on the Bengals side like didn't really do that much. Like John Ross really didn't do a thing. Um. Joe Mixon was fine, but nothing spectacular. So I think the, I mean, but the Bengals are leading the division two and zero. Joe Ravens out for three weeks. Wait, does that overlap with one of our games? No, we don't play them until late in the season. Their second half of the season for both games. Crap. Um, I think the Bengals are the team to beat right now in the division. I mean, that's true from a standing standpoint, but. They've been the most consistent of any of the teams in the division so far. And the Ravens, Alex Collins, I think everyone thought Alex Collins was going to be their workhorse, and he has gotten a lot of carries. He's gotten the workload, but the production has been very, very poor so Ravens' far. offensive line has been bad. Why is that? I mean, Yonda's back, which is you would think would be helpful to them. They're running out a new center. I forget the guy's name. But their center last year wasn't anything crazy. I don't even know who their tackles are. Ronnie Stanley is the right that kid tackle. they drafted. He's playing right. Who's playing left tackle? Um, let's look it up. We're going to sit here and wait for Michael to look it up. Great podcast content. That, so we're not in a bad spot in the division. I mean, I, I don't expect us to win this division. But, but we're, no, t- we're but tied with Pittsburgh. No, here's we're thing. like a half game back from... From the very beginning of this season, we Ravens? talked about losing these first two games. Oh, you're right. Okay, I have the answer. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, Ronnie Stanley is the left tackle. 
Um, and the right tackle is James Hurst. Huh. Not the tight end, Hayden Hurst, that they drafted. Orlando James. Brown from Oklahoma is the backup Oof. right tackle. Mini Zeus. I forgot that he went to the same team his dad his had played for. Played for so yeah. interesting. Yeah, no, we we did talk about losing these first two games, and we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. You know, but it, it's, I, I talked about this. It doesn't feel that over. way. If we beat the Jets on Thursday and we're one one and one, it's kind of a weird spot to be. We're five hundred. But it's though. not a bad spot to we're be. We're five hundred. Like, given the way our defense is played, if our offense comes out and plays halfway decent football and we beat the Jets. I'm very optimistic about our offense figuring it out. And then we get to go play the freaking Raiders? Yeah. Let's talk about the Jets game. I I think I feel great about it. The fact that we are at home in particular really makes me feel good about it. And that we're playing a rookie quarterback when he's had such a tough schedule thus far. He played Monday night week one. This past week they lost the game. Now he's a short week going on the road to play the Browns. Our defensive line is far superior to their offensive line. Pressuring a rookie quarterback. I from what I've seen from our defense so far, they have no I offensive like, weapons. I like that matchup. Yeah. I mean, they have okay players on offense, but no one that scares you. Yeah. I, I like our guys against them. Yeah. And I mean, I mean think about what Anunwa. He's gonna catch a lot of balls. But he's like a Jarvis Landry, like boring slot receiver tight end type he's like a less he's a less slippery jarvis landry yeah yeah but i mean think about what we did to ben roethlisberger he's not going to be the reason you lose we what we did to ben roethlisberger and drew Brees. surely we have to do some damage to We're, a rookie quarterback sam darnold we we should force a couple turnovers for sure and get a couple sacks I'm actually really excited to see this defense play against a, a bad quarterback. I will say their defense it could be is, fun. Yes. I, yes. No, there's no doubt. Their defense. Their defense is pretty solid. They have good players on their defense. Yeah. Their defensive line, they don't have the pass rush you would want from like a really good defense, but everything else is pretty much there. They have a lot of athleticism at linebacker and in the secondary. They drafted those two safeties last year, Marcus May and Jamal uh, Adams. Him. And Buster Screen, a former Cleveland Brown, is playing as a corner for them. Good they've, for him. They've got proud of UTC. But Morris, they also Morris signed Cardboard. Tremaine Johnson. Like he's a good corner. Like I mean, their yeah. secondary is good. Um, with those their, safeties, their and, front seven is good too. And um, it'll be interesting to see because our offense just has kind of sucked all season. So if we, I'm just not sure, it's, I think this is going to be the story of our entire season. Is the offense going to do enough to generate enough points to win the game? And we'll see. We will see. Okay. Okay. I know I'm we're a, I know we're going to do that in a second. A, here's here's the thing. I'm excited. We play on Thursday night and we get a chance. We've been, we were so close on Sunday. Was our last we don't quick even, turnaround we don't even have to time like, to sit and think about it? Yeah, I kind of agree with you. That's a good point. You get to get out there and just do it again. Was our last Thursday night game against the Ravens? Probably. The one when we lost. We did lose. With Was that the, the loss field on the blocked field goal for a touchdown? Yeah, return for a touchdown. <laughs> Classic. Um, so <laughs> so we every week we try to pick the lines of the primetime games. Luckily, the Browns this week is it's one of the primetime. It's funny every time. <laughs> 
Luckily, the Browns is one of the primetime games, so we are only picking two games this week. Michael, you head up that effort. What are we looking at? Well, first I want to make sure that everyone is keeping track of where the record stands. Oh, whatever. People are meticulously keeping track while they're listening to our podcast. Nobody cares what the record actually is. Michael does. I haven't lost a game yet. I really should have been actually placing these bets rather than just like speaking them on the podcast. I haven't missed one, so I'm at 100%. Matthew's He's correctly go guessed three this week. Matthew's correctly guessed two of the six, and Mark's correctly guessed three. So I have a decent early lead. But Mark it's, went it's early. over this week, though. Three no first week, though. Yeah, Mark lost all let's, three games last let's, week. Let's not forget about the first week where I was perfect. Let's go. It's just like your coin. 50-50. I, I, week seven, maybe, the coin comes out by week. We'll see how I'm doing. Matthew so, Matthew maybe should pull out the coin because he'd be doing better if he had a coin. Oh, man. I'd be doing the same. Small sample size. So Matthew's <laughs> favorite phrase. Guess what? We brought them all out. <laughs> <laughs> so, like Mark said, two games this week. Um, Thursday night game is the Browns. We'll save that for the end. The Sunday night game is the New England Patriots and Josh Gordon heading to Detroit to play their <laughs> former defensive Poor coordinator, Detroit. Matt oh. Patricia. And New England's on the road, but they're still favored by six and a half points. Uh, I, um, this might be quick. Mark, who do you have in this game? Patriots. Matthew, who do you have in this game? Six and a half is not enough. Yeah, I have the Patriots. The, too. The There's Patriots no are coming off a loss. They're yeah. going to be freaking pissed. They know Matt Patricia. The Lions are terrible. Oh, yeah. I don't the think there's Lions a whole lot to be so said. Bad. Lions are bad. They, they did hang a little better this week. They did. The 49ers kind of let them hang around. And the 49ers' defense isn't great. Um, so, and it is in Detroit, which might help. Belichick doesn't lose to Does Josh Gordon play in this game? They said he's going to be healthy to play. Healthy enough, but that doesn't mean he plays. I mean, oh, he, he's going to play. That that wide receiver core is terrible. Like you just got to send him. I dude. mean, like it's not that hard. Yeah, you just got Tom Brady's just got to tell him what to do. Like you tell you him let, which route to run. You and let he runs Chris it. Hogan run all the like the intelligent routes, and you give Josh Gordon the easy ones, and go yeah. line him and Gronk up on the same side. And what are you going to do? It's really scary, actually. <laughs> it's really scary, actually. I mean, I don't feel like Josh. Patriots? And then you get Edelman back in a couple weeks and just run all those underneath routes. And like, are you freaking kidding me? Oh yeah, it's gonna be nasty. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I the thing I am so interested to think about, like, and I act like I even know these people. I don't really know them, but Belichick and his like discipline and rigidity. And Josh Gordon and his whole life up to this point. But like, Josh Gordon's and all the excuses Josh- that have been made for him and like everything that's happened. Like I I'm just super interested to see how this plays out. And I, I would have think- said the same thing about Randy Moss whenever he went to the Patriots in two thousand seven. And, and that thing. worked out great. I don't think I don't think Josh is unique. I think Belichick's dealt with people with his exact mindset and he either puts up with them or he gets rid of them or both. He's going to put up with Josh Gordon and then let him go. I will be watching and I will be very interested. And I think the Patriots are going to crush them. Uh, and we all agree. Yep. So we all pick the new England Patriots in that particular game. And that brings us to the Browns game on Thursday night, just a couple days away. 
which is kind of exciting. Also frees up the weekend, which is nice. I hate having the like really negative downer feel the entire Sunday. Like that's not going to exist this week. It's going to be so fun to watch Red Zone. It's going to be gone the early the whole time. Yeah, <clears throat> it's going to be gone by by the time Sunday comes around, whether we win or lose, whatever the emotion is. So if we win, I'm not going to work on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a chance in hell I'm <laughs> going to work on Friday. It's calling it now. <laughs> I've actually got hey, like the biggest day. I don't, of, I don't go to work on Friday, so we'll just perfect. have our time. And ironically, I'm the complete opposite. I've got the it's biggest like the only, day of work that I've had in every <laughs> all year. This like, event yeah. that I've been planning for like months is Friday. The only, <laughs> the only day of work you've done all yeah. year is going to be Friday. Yeah, complete opposite. <laughs> um, anyways, I'll ask you first, Matthew. Browns are favored by three, which is really just the advantage we get for being a home team. What do you think? I'm gonna. I like the Browns in this game, but I'm gonna take the under. I I I think in the most Browns way possible, we break this this godforsaken losing streak in a very very tight game, and we win by less than three points. You think we win, yes. but it's not by a three point margin. Yes. All right. Because it's the most Browns thing in the world. We can't. All right. Win. What are you looking for? Like, what are you most excited about? Looking at the game. I'm pumped to see our D-line and our secondary play Sam Darnold. Play yeah. a rookie quarterback. And Sam, Sam's been great. But he's a rookie quarterback, and I don't like their offensive line. I think we're going to have a heyday Should be on fun. a short week. Yep. I mean, all we have to do is, what, what does Grandpa say? Um Feed them raw meat and poke them with sticks. The D-line doesn't need to get prepared. Just eat raw meat and poke them with sticks and say, go sick them. Uh, and Mark, on that note, I would like to know your selection. Browns are favored by three in this game. Um, I, I feel the same way as Matthew in that I think the Browns are going to win the game. Judging by how we've played against two teams that are very good teams, mm-hmm. preseason thought of as very good teams, um, the Jets are not one of those. The Jets do not fall into that category. I think that all this pent-up frustration, all of these close games, I think we're finally going to, for once, win a game by a significant margin. We are going to be the better team in the game. I think Tyre... I think it's taking a little while for Todd Haley to figure out what we have and what we played better this week than we did in the first week. I think we're going to play better again on offense um, next week on Thursday. I hope you're right. And we're going to be able to win by definitely more than three points. Big win. All right. Is there anything you're uh, – so I asked Matthew the positive, what he's most excited about. Is there anything that concerns you? going into this game well my concern is that their secondary just won't let anyone on our receiving core get any space and that particularly since the receiving core is depleted at this point exactly and that their Remember defense how is good we felt about our receiving core Jarvis Landry real- called no. it the best in the league but we were realistic because we said that at any point this receiving core could just decimate and it did Oh, it, man. it was the best receiving core. In, it, I agreed with Jarvis Landry at the beginning <laughs> of the season. Maybe the most talented, but yeah. oh, man. 
All right. So that brings it to me. I've picked the Browns in the first two two weeks relative to the line to the Vegas line, and they have not failed me. I'm not gonna veer from that. There's no way. I really think we're gonna win. And I think we should win by more than three points. So I've gotta go with the Browns. It's rare that the Browns seem to be the team with more experience going into a game. And feeling the difference in that quarterback room heading into a Thursday night game is so weird that the Browns are on this side with like the experienced quarterback that like is going to be more comfortable in this situation than the opposing team. And I, I mean, we know how much of a difference that makes in football games. So yes. that's really what I'm relying on more yes, than anything else. Yes, we do. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take the Browns here, and hopefully we'll be extending my undefeated winning streak. I hope so, because the Patriots are definitely going to win by more than <laughs> six and a half points. <laughs> so I hope you're right about that. Uh, uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And just a reminder. This podcast is brought to you by Barbasol. If you visit Barbasol.com, you can join the Barbasol Shave Club today. If you use discount code BROWNS at checkout, you can receive $2 off your initial shave kit order. Um, Get the razors sent to your house. Save money. Have an awesome shave with some nice, smooth cream. And just enjoy your life. Uh, soon soon michael's gonna be using that on his head so you could use the razors that michael is gonna be using on his head soon when he goes full mm-hmm. full barbasol mm-hmm. full barbie yeah full barbie all right thanks so much for listening everybody um be sure to rate us up on wherever you get your podcast it means a lot to us like comment share with your friends um if you're a browns fan and you want to hear an optimistic point of view besides from matthew on the brown season um be sure to share. Uh, send us a tweet um, if you like what you're hearing or if you want us to talk about something in particular. Uh, that's at Sin of Our Fathers. If you want to send us an email, if that's what you feel more comfortable with, you don't want your friends seeing your tweets to some obscure podcast, send us an email. Sinofourfathers at gmail.com. Just use your burner account. Yeah, just kidding. We're not obscure. <laughs> We're very well known. <laughs> very popular. Go Browns. Go Browns. We're winning this week. Uh-huh.